So you guys can keep watching what uh, Colette is doing there, but I'm just gonna talk for the rest of the video here. But um, I just wanna say thank you, first of all, to Colette Goodman for starring in these origami videos here, and her husband, Kevin, for editing and uh, filming the whole thing for us. And we're gonna have one of these uh, origami videos each week for the next seven weeks um, of the new Transformed campaign. Why origami? Well, because when you do origami, you transform a simple square of paper, which I left mine back there. I was going to show you the square of paper. A uh, simple square of paper into a cool fish like she's making there, or a book, or a crane, or a butterfly, all things we're going to be making over these next few weeks. And there's diagrams in the transformed book, these little uh, books that we have back in the back that, uh, that show how to do the origami. And then those videos are on our website. Uh, only one so far, but they will be on the website over the weeks as we go along. And you can, between the video and the diagram in the book, we're hoping that you guys will be able to pick up a piece of origami paper from the back there and do the folds and, and do a real live illustration of the principle of transformation that we are talking about in this uh, next seven-week series. And, uh, and it'll just be a good reminder for you of the transformation that God wants to see in your life. And, and also, I was thinking about maybe we could start a hashtag of uh, origami fails, and it would be kind of funny, but uh, we'll, we'll see whether we uh, end up doing that. But, but anyway, um, our theme for this next seven weeks is, is this. It is, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That comes from uh, Romans chapter 12. And today we're starting this new series of Transformed, and it's going to be seven weeks. We're going to be focusing on how God wants to make you better. And each week we're going to look at another part of you that God wants to transform. God wants you to be healthy in every area of your life. And because He made you, He knows what is best for you. And because He loves you, He wants what is best for you. And so he has told us a lot in his word, the Bible, about how we can be transformed into the people that he has made us to be. Now, for this series, we're using a campaign uh, from uh, Pastor Rick Warren and Saddleback Church down in California. And this campaign is a short-term, seven-week focus. And during the campaign, we are adding Several new ways that we want you to engage in what we're doing here. Um, and we strongly encourage everyone to jump into as many of these different things that we're going to be doing over the next seven weeks as you can. So let me talk about uh, what we want you to do over these next seven weeks. First, first way to engage, we want you all to participate in the weekend services all seven weeks. Don't miss one. Be here for all seven weeks over the next seven weeks. We have Thursday service and Sunday service. For those of you Sunday people, if you've never been to a Thursday service, it's pretty cool. We do it over at uh, Spinard in our building over there, and you can come and, and join us. So if you have a conflict some Sunday, you, you're away for the weekend or whatever it is, come on Thursday. If you can't make it to Sunday or Thursday, it's available online, but we really uh, encourage everybody to be uh, involved in every service for these next seven weeks. Second, we have the books. And... Um, the books are back there on a the table in the back, and uh, we really encourage everyone to get one of these books 
and, uh, and to make use of all the various resources that are in there. I'm going to talk about a number of things as we go on here that are in this book. So the church bought all these books, um, and uh, they cost us about 15 bucks a piece. If you feel like you want to help pay for your book, you can drop an extra 15 bucks in the offering. Um, that's fine. Uh, for those of you who are regular givers, you've already bought the book. But uh, anyway, um, grab one of those books. Uh, if you don't have 15 bucks, don't worry about it. Just, uh, just take a book. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. They're not the kind of book that you sit down and read cover to cover in a couple hours. They're the kind of thing that you, it will be your guide through this whole next seven weeks. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about some of the other things that are in there as we go along. Um, the third thing that we want everybody to do to engage in this campaign is we want you to set goals. So each of the seven weeks is about a different area of your life where God wants to transform you. And there are seven areas. Here they are. Your spiritual health, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your relational health, your financial health, and your vocational health. See, God cares about your whole life. Um, some people might think that church is only about that first one, the spiritual health. But no, church is about all of your life, and God cares about your whole life, and he wants you to be healthy in all of these areas. And in each of these areas, we want you to set a three-month goal, right? And that goal is, is how you want to see transformation in that part of your life over the next three months. And as you're thinking about setting a goal each week, you need to make sure that it is a SMART goal. SMART is an acronym. It stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. And you'll see explanations of all that are in the book and more advice about how to set these goals, and there's a place to write all your goals in the book and stuff. But um, So uh, if you really want to get the most out of this campaign and you really want to be transformed, you need to set some goals. You need to set some goals. And now here's the thing, though. If you set seven really big goals that you're going to accomplish over the next three months, that's kind of a lot, right? And you're probably setting yourself up to fail at at least some of those. And that's not smart goal setting because smart goals have to be achievable. So my, my suggestion is when you, when, as we go through each of the seven weeks, when you find one that you really connect with and that you really feel, feel the need in your life in that particular area, set a big goal in that area. And set some more uh, easily achievable goals for the other weeks. But, uh, but get yourself two or three big goals and, uh, and then set some, some uh, more manageable goals for the rest of the weeks. But set goals. Um, and no, you don't have to set all seven goals today. It's, the idea is you set one each week as you're going through um, each week's topics. So by a week from today, you should have a SMART goal for your spiritual health. The next way that we want you all to engage in this campaign is by taking on the Memory Verse Challenge. Now, we do Memory Verse Challenge all the time, right? We just had a Memory Verse Challenge, but it's going to be a little bit different for this next seven weeks because if for this uh, campaign, there is a new Memory Verse every single week 
and we will be doing the memory verse challenge every single week. So um, you might think that's a lot, of, uh, lot to do. Normally, we take a whole month to memorize a verse. Now we're only giving you a week. It's possible. Trust me, you can do it. So take on the memory verse challenge, uh, one verse per week. Over the next seven weeks, I want to see a pile of papers in that thing. Now, here's the, the other thing about memory verse challenge, though, is that for some people, we would have to be giving away a lot more than the little uh, gift cards that we give away, like maybe a new car or something, in order for you to come up front and stand in front of all these people and try to recite a verse from memory. That's a pretty stressful thing for some people. That's fine. You don't have to come up front. Memorize the verse anyway and just don't put your name in. That's okay. We strongly encourage you to do it, even if you don't want to do the challenge and you don't ever want to come up front and try to uh, recite a verse. Just, um, you know, memorize the verse. The real point of it is not so you can... Uh, win a prize or, or be recognized in front of the church. The point of it is to be meditating on these passages of Scripture and thinking about the things that God has taught us in His Word. So, this next seven weeks, I challenge you all, do the Memory Verse Challenge every week for seven weeks. The fifth way to engage with this campaign is to join a journey group. Um, we have four journey groups that are going to be discussing these topics together and learning from each other and growing together. They're listed on the little blue flyers that are available in the back and at the welcome table, little blue cards that have all four of the groups on the back with phone numbers for the leaders. And uh, the way you get into one of those groups is you call the leader and say, hey, I want to be a part of your group, or you just send them a text. And they will give you time and place and all the other details that you need to get in the group. But I strongly encourage you to get into one of these groups. And this, this one is really, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, this is the biggest one of all the different ways that we're encouraging people to engage with this uh, campaign is to get in a group. And here's why. It's because in order to maximize your growth in each of these areas, you need a coach and you need a team. Now, Pastor Brian and Pastor Mike and myself, we're going to be functioning like the coaches for the church as we go through this. That means that we're going to be teaching, we're going to be assigning spiritual workouts, we're going to be encouraging you to work hard, we're going to be cheering you on, and, and all those kinds of coaching things. And, uh, and if you don't have that in your life, if you're a visitor here this morning and, and being at church is not a regular part of your, uh, of your life, I, I strongly encourage you, get into a good church where you will have a pastor uh, to coach you in your spiritual life. Because you're not going to be transformed to the extent that you could be without a good coach. And you also need a team. Right? Now, there's a sense in which all of us here, the whole church is a team, right? But really, there's too many of us to be a team together in the way that, to support each other in the way that a, 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 good, a good team will. Um, you know, it's hard for a crowd of 150 people uh, to really function as a team. What you need is a journey group. And your journey group can really work with you to be your encouragement as you do it all together throughout this campaign. 
And when you're checking in with each other, and you're talking about the goals that you've set, and you're talking about the memory verses, and you're talking over the sermons, and you're going through the small group studies that are in the book, and you're watching the video teaching from Pastor Rick, who has uh, teaching that's available for the small groups, and, and when you're doing all of that together, it is much better than trying to do it alone. And I want to tell you a story that, uh, that illustrates this idea of the need for a coach and a team. And I've told this story in a sermon before, so it might sound familiar to some of you, but here it is. When I was in college, I was a varsity runner, ran cross-country and track, and uh, I wasn't a great college runner, but I was, I was a decent varsity athlete um, uh, for a small college, and uh, I was all-district in cross-country my senior year. I was a team captain. I ran at the national championships. I would say I was in about the top 10% of college runners at most of the races that I was going to there. So then when I graduated from college, I was 21 years old, faster than I'd ever been by far. And I knew a couple of things about running. One thing that I knew was that the level of competition in local kind of road race running was a lot different than the college races that I'd been going to. My top 10% in college would be like top 1% in a normal uh, public race, right? And then the other thing I knew was that long distance runners generally peak in their 30s somewhere, around in their mid-30s. So if you look at the Olympics and the, the absolute peak athletes running long distances, they're in their 30s. They're not these young uh, college kids like I was. And so I was thinking, I might be able to really make something out of this, and maybe I'll even get a small running sponsorship and be kind of a big-time local runner here because... Um, because I know that I have a good 10 years of improvement left before I kind of age out and start, uh, start getting slower. I could, I could really be a good runner. But guess what? That did not happen. <laughs> Actually, what happened was right after I graduated, I thought, you know, I got 10 or 15 years before I start to really slow down. No, it took me about 10 or 15 days to start slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I still continue to run, and, uh, and I've run some races and done some things, but, um, but I never came close to running the kinds of times that I ran when I was in college. So what changed? Well, what changed was I no longer had a coach, and I no longer had a team. And without a coach and without a team, I could not do what I had done before, and I did not continue to improve. I did not continue to grow. And I fell way short of the potential that I could have had. Right? So the same kind of idea is true in our spiritual lives. On your own, you can experience some spiritual growth in your life. You can have um, some uh, limited amount of transformation in your life between you and God, but but you will fall way short of your potential because you need a coach. You need to be uh, under the leadership of a, a pastoral team, and you need a team to be with you. You need to be in a journey group. So get on the team that will help you to make the most of this campaign over the next seven weeks. And, and, and uh, right now we're just asking for you to do this for seven weeks. Right? We're not asking you to commit to a group for the rest of your life. Uh, just, just do it for these next couple of months here. 
And, and the same goes with all the other stuff in the book, the memory verse challenge and all those things. We're, we're asking for an intense effort for the next few weeks. And um, it's a short-term commitment. So we're asking you to do more than your normal commitment to church involvement. And here's why we're, we're doing it that way, is because some people imagine that spiritual growth as a Christian happens like this. You become a Christian, and then over time, you just steadily grow to be more mature and more spiritual and closer to God on a steady slope um, for the rest of your life. But that's just not the way that life works. A better representation of spiritual growth is this next graph here, where, in fact, there's a lot of your life, it's just kind of flat, maybe small amounts of growth, and then you really experience spiritual growth during shorter, more intense experiences where you just see these spikes of growth into maturity. And sometimes those periods of growth happen because of circumstances in our lives or, or different things, that different experiences that we have. Um, and sometimes they happen because we commit to a short-term campaign that our church is doing, and we put in a lot of time and effort uh, uh, to uh, spiritual growth for the next seven weeks. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Um, and that's the promise. If you want to see a spike on your spiritual growth chart, then, uh, then get engaged in this campaign over the next seven weeks. And then after that, it'll be summer, and the groups will, will be finished, and, uh, and you can go back to once a month for the Memory Verse Challenge, and, uh, and, and all these things. And, and you can enjoy the benefits of the growth that you experience over these next few weeks. So, the one, one more way I want to encourage you today to engage in the campaign is in the book there are daily quiet times. So, um, so each day there's a, there's a reading and some things to fill out and stuff, so be doing that on a daily basis. Get into a journey group. Here's the, these are the, uh, the ways that we're, we want you to engage in this campaign. Here they are on the slide. Participate in all the worship services over the next seven weeks. Don't miss one, even if you have to do it online, but come Thursday if you can't come Sunday. Um, get the transformed book. So go back and get one of those books from the back. Um, a lot of people picked them up on Easter. Uh, we still have some more. Uh, we, in fact, we ordered a few more because we actually ran out on Easter. So uh, hopefully we've got enough for everybody, but get that book. Set some smart goals. So set goals for yourself. How are you going to grow in your spiritual health, your physical health, your financial health, all these different ways. Um, memorize the verses. I, that will be a, a, a great help to you if you just spend that time thinking about those verses. Uh, we're not, we always have the little verse cards. Boyd usually makes them for us, the little laminated cards. We're not doing that this time because we're not doing those a new one every week. So if you want a card, you'll have to write it out yourself, which is not a bad idea anyway. Um, but otherwise, it's in your book. And, uh, and you can uh, memorize it from that. And then join a journey group. We just talked about that, why that's important. So pick up one of those blue cards if you haven't got the information yet and pick one of those four groups. I believe one of them starts tonight. So don't waste time. You can get in on it uh, right away. And then the last one is to do the daily devotionals. Um, and you don't have to do all of these. We would love for you to do all of these. <laughs> but... Uh, if you can't do them all, do the ones that you can do, and, uh, and get engaged to the extent that you can in, uh, in this 
in this uh, campaign. So now let's talk about this week's focus, which is transformed in my spiritual health. And um, first, we need, to, we need to kind of define what are we even talking about when we talk about spiritual health? What is spiritual health? And I'm going to use a, a section from the, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament to help us understand what the Bible means by spiritual health. So um, I want to start with uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says there, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So in the terminology we used a few minutes ago, what this is saying is that um, Jesus provided coaches for the church, right? That's that's kind of people that are being described here. God provided coaches who would equip his people for works of service. Right? So that's the first uh, sign of spiritual health. A spiritually healthy person has coaches in their life who are helping them to do acts of service. So that's, that's you see the two parts to that, right? It's the, the acts of service that you're doing and that you have coaches in your life that are helping you to do that. Okay, and then it goes on to say uh, the purpose of this. Uh, works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So as God's people are coached to do works of service, the whole body of Christ is built up. That is, the church grows. Now, when we say the church grows, are we talking about numerical growth of new people coming in and and becoming Christians, or are we talking about uh, the growth toward maturity of the individual people who are making up the church? Well, both, of course, but primarily here it's talking about the growth toward maturity and and people learning to to be uh, better people and being transformed by God. That's what the context is talking about here in Ephesians. And this building up has the goal of the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. That is, uh, as we are are doing this, we will learn to understand what we believe, and we will have widespread agreement on that. We will have unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. And that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on every detail— But on the big things, we're going to have unity so that we can be unified together in our beliefs. And then it says that we will become mature. And that means to become what we were meant to grow up to be. And part of that maturity is being filled with Christ, as it says there. He will be in all parts of our lives, and we will be filled with Him. And then what will that be like? It says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, when you see fake news about God, you will recognize it as such. And you will be able to tell when some right-wing radical is trying to distort the truth of God to fit his political agenda. 
And you will be able to tell when some woke liberal is trying to distort the truth of God to fit his political agenda. And, and I can assure you that both of those things are happening all the time. <laughs> and when we are mature, we will be able to recognize that and we will not be tossed back and forth. As a mature Christian who is no longer an infant, you won't be tossed back and forth by the waves or easily manipulated by people with unbiblical agendas. You will instead be able to recognize their deceitful scheming because you will know the truth. And let me say something else about that idea before we move on. Uh, and that is that you are much more likely to fall for this stuff when it comes from people who are on your side of the political spectrum than when it comes from people on the other side. That is, if you're a conservative, you are much more susceptible to deceitful scheming from the right than you are from the left. Because, see, you're already highly skeptical of anything that comes out of the left, and you are biased to agree with whatever comes from the people who share your own leanings. And the same goes if you're in the progressive camp. You're much more likely to swallow the schemes of progressives who are mishandling their theology. But those who are spiritually healthy will be resistant to being fooled. And then it says, instead, instead of being tossed back and forth, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So rather than being gullible babies, uh, we will speak the truth in love. Now, that's a phrase that, uh, that really carries a lot of meaning, right? There is truth out there. It's not all opinion. And we will be able to know and speak the truth, but we will do it in love. And we will continue to grow together as each one does our part. And that cooperative growth as we help each other and we do all the things that God has uniquely equipped each one of us to do, that is spiritual health. Now, we could say a lot more about spiritual health. We haven't exactly plumbed the depths of it here, but we've got the idea here. We've got the, the, the main idea of, of what it is that, that uh, we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual health. And this is the first area where God wants to transform us. If we go back to Romans 12, the verse that I, uh, I read part of earlier, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God wants to transform you by renewing your mind so that you can know what God's will is. And not just His will in general, but specific will in specific situations of life that you find yourself in. So, how are we transformed in this area of our lives? It says we need to renew our minds. Right? That means we need to think 
correctly about our spiritual health. And here's a paraphrase uh, from Pastor Rick uh, on this idea. He said, the way that you think determines the way that you feel. And the way that you feel determines the way that you act. Let me say that again. The, The way that you think determines the way that you feel. And the way that you feel determines the way that you act. And so God wants to transform the way that you think. And here's the first way of uh, thinking that's necessary for spiritual uh, health, spiritual health. You need to understand your need for transformation. When you understand your need, you will feel that need, and when you feel it, you will take the steps necessary to make it happen. On the other hand, if you're satisfied with where you are spiritually, you will be unmotivated and stagnant. And that's because all these things that we're challenging you to do in this campaign, this is going to take a lot of time and effort. Um, and, and, and it isn't easy to carve out time in your life for all these things, to find time to, to go to a journey group or to do those daily devotions or memorize that verse. And even if you decide to do it, even if you say, okay, I'm going to do this, it's pretty easy to get discouraged along the way. And four or five days later, say, oh, that's... Don't think that's for me after all. In order to really grow, you need to understand and feel your need to be transformed. What you need to understand is that your life can be so much better in this area. What you are experiencing now is almost certainly not the fullness of what God wants for you. It might seem okay to you, but that's because you do not yet understand what God has to offer and how much better it could be. So let me give you an illustration to help you understand your need, because some of you are not feeling it yet. <laughs> so, so here's my illustration. When my daughter was, uh, my daughter Hannah, when she was a baby, she loved to eat mashed peas, Right? That was her favorite thing, was mashed peas. And we used to, you'd, we'd cook the peas a little bit, and then we'd put them in this little grinder thing we had, and it was just like uh, pea mush. And that was her, her favorite food by far. And why? Because she didn't really know anything better. Um, but as she got a little older, she discovered Kraft macaroni and cheese. And Kraft macaroni and cheese is way better than mashed peas, And so she grew and discovered a better food. Um, And then, uh, you know, as she got a little older, uh, now she's 22, and she's uh, more into sushi than she is into Kraft macaroni and cheese, right? Now, are you spiritually eating mashed peas? She really liked mashed peas. But why? Because she did not understand (laughs) how much better things could be. And that is the way that, uh, that, 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 that we are often. We're quite happy eating baby food because we don't know how great macaroni and cheese is. Or we're quite happy eating macaroni and cheese when God has sushi for you. 
your spiritual life can be so much better. You need to grow up. And God wants to transform your spiritual health so that you can have a better life. But you have to understand that where you are now is not where you need to be. It's okay for you to be where you are now as long as you are committed to moving forward. So do not settle for stagnation. Now, one practical way to help you understand your spiritual need is to do a spiritual health assessment. And you'll find that in the back of the book. If you get one of these books, there's a spiritual health assessment in the back um, that will uh, guide you through asking a bunch of questions and answers, and you kind of rate yourself and come out with a numerical score at the end. So you can see, where am I strong? Where are the areas that need improvement? Um, And I encourage you to do that assessment and determine where your spiritual needs are. If you don't, if you really don't want to get one of the books, but you want to do this, you can find the same thing online. The uh, on the back of your bulletin, it tells you what to search for to find it online. If you just Google it, you'll find exactly the same thing that's in the book. Um, So do that assessment. Find out where your needs are, and once you have come to a place where you are appropriately discontented in where you currently are, the next step is to take personal responsibility for where you are. In other words, uh, the answer to the question, why am I spiritually weak in these particular areas, needs to include the fact that a big part of the problem is your own dumb fault. Um, Now, we live in a fallen world, and we are surrounded by a lot of flawed and fallen people. And some of your problems are not your fault. Some of it is because we live in a fallen world, and, and, and the people around us have, all, have harmed all of us in a variety of ways, and, 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 and we've been taught bad ideas, we've been misled, we bear the scars of past wounds, but we also make dumb decisions, and we're lazy, and we're sinful in various ways, and we need to take responsibility for our own things. God calls this confession, right? It means that we need to come to God and tell Him what we have done wrong. And God will not be surprised when you tell Him. He already knows, but He still wants to hear it from us. And when we come and confess our sins, He stands ready to forgive. And He will wash our slate clean and give us a fresh start. Now, there's a, an interesting scene from a movie relating to this idea. Uh, the movie is The Avengers, and I, I assume that most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, you don't need to know the details. It'll, it'll make sense anyway. But for those of you who have seen it, you'll connect a little more with this, I think. So in this one scene in the movie, uh, Black Widow is talking to Loki, who is imprisoned at this point, and Loki asks her, why is she doing this? Why is she risking her life to fight for the side of of good in this thing? And so she's a superhero in this movie, and she's doing all this good stuff, but her backstory is that she was uh, a trained Russian assassin who had been a tool of very bad people to kill a lot of innocent people in the past. And so here's her answer to him when he asks why she's doing this. She says, 
I've got red in my ledger, and I'd like to wipe it out. In other words, she has guilt from her past crimes, and she thinks that by doing this good thing, she can make up for it. She can wipe out the red by doing good. And Loki responds, he says, can you? Can you wipe out that much red? Sao Paulo, the hospital fire, your ledger is dripping. It's gushing red. And you think doing this will change anything? This is the basest sentimentality. This is a child's prayer. You're pathetic. You lie and kill in the service of liars and killers. You pretend you have your own code that makes up for these horrors, but they are a part of you and they will never go away. So here's the thing, is that Loki's right. Doing good things is never going to make up for your sins. But there is a better way. In order to have the red that's in all our ledgers wiped clean, we need only to confess our sins to Jesus and trust in His payment for our sins. You see, He's already paid the price that we could never pay on our own. And when we come to Him humbly confessing, He forgives. So look at our memory verse for this week. This is... uh, this is this week's uh, verse. That you can memorize this and recite it next week. Uh, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And as you work on memorizing this verse this week, think about the truth that God is ready to give us a fresh start. When we put our faith in Him, All of our past sins are wiped out, and we are ready to embark on a new life. And this is a huge part of spiritual health. You want to be spiritually healthy, you need to have a regular practice of coming to God, confessing our sins, and having them forgiven. The final part of spiritual health I want to talk about today is offering ourselves to God. So first, we must become dissatisfied with our current situation. Then we need to accept our own responsibility for our faults and sins. Then we need to give ourselves over to God to lead our lives going forward. God wants to guide you into a great life, a life of sushi. And, 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 but in order to do this, He needs you to surrender Uh, control to Him. And what does that mean to surrender control to God? That means when you have a desire of what something that you want to do, but you know that it is against God's will and you're faced with that choice, should I do what I want to do or should I do what I know God wants me to do? You choose to go God's way. That's surrendering control of your life to God, is when you have that choice, you do it His way and not your way. Look at Romans 12, 2 again. It says, When our minds are being transformed by God, we will be able to test and approve what His good, pleasing, and perfect will is. That is, we will know how God wants us to respond in every situation. 
And when we do things God's way, we will find that His way is good, pleasing, and perfect. So let me finish uh, with this encouraging word from the Bible that assures us that God is at work in the lives of His people. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, engage in this campaign. God wants to transform you in all these seven areas of your life that we're talking about these next weeks. And you will find your life moving toward ever-increasing glory. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for working in us and transforming us. I pray that you would help us to Think differently so that we can know your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then give us the courage, give us the strength to do your will and to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.